Hey fellow petrol heads and welcome to Revved Up Perspectives, the podcast where we don't just talk about cars, we dive into the very soul of the automotive world. I'm your host Aditya and buckle up because we're about to embark on a journey through roaring engines, the sleek designs and the untold story of the cars we love. Whether you're a gearhead, an enthusiast or just someone who appreciates the beauty of four wheels and an open road, you're in the right place. Get ready for some high octane discussions and a whole lot of tire squealing excitement. This is Revved Up Perspectives, where every rev tells a story. Now let's hit the road. And we're going to kick off this episode by a rather interesting topic. We're going to discuss about the cars that are rather underappreciated gems in the automotive industry. Now do keep in mind these lists were put together by myself and these include cars that are considered underappreciated by myself. Firstly, we're going to kick this list off by one of my all-time favorite supercars, the Jaguar XJ220. It's one of the most beautiful cars ever designed by Jaguar, according to my opinion. This is a two-seater supercar, and of course it had that weird pop-up headlights, which I really like. Although the concept version of this car featured a V12 and a four-wheel drive concept, the production version only had a six-cylinder, and that's not any six cylinder it's it's not a six cylinder that can be slept on it's a highly tuned twin turbo six cylinder engine now this car was unveiled in 1988 in the british international motor show and 50000 pounds was the initial deposit you had to make to book one of these now of course this is a mid engined you know all wheel drive car in the production version it was a rear wheel drive car which you know never really made much of a difference because this car was really agile and lightweight this car did have about 500 to 542 horsepower and 475 pound foot of torque this came with a 5 speed manual gearbox and of course it has to be manual right and you know this car was rather different than the other jaguars because it borrowed a lot of components from other cars you would least expect for instance it had a tail lamp from that of a bus and the side mirrors of an mg metro you know the concept car really impressed everyone who looked at it for the first time but you know like myself and everyone also expected it to come with a v12 instead it did come with a six cylinder which was a bit of a letdown but the six cylinder i must say made up for most of the disappointment You know it was actually launched in the National Exhibition Center in Birmingham and the production version was immediately you know grabbing eyes of all the spectators who had visited there. I think at that time it was actually the fastest car in the world until it was beaten by the Bugatti EB110S shortly. But yeah this car is definitely one of the Jaguars that you know goes down in the books of history. One of my favorite all-time favorite Jaguars if you ask me and the JRV6 Oh my god what an engine Okay now we dive into the next car which also you know happens to be british and one of my favorite saloon cars Of course it's not the M5 because the M5 gets all the love This is the Lotus Carlton You know Lotus Carlton is always you know I've been a big fan of the car I'm 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 you know generally a fan of this sleeper car you know cars that look rather slow but you know are really capable As you all know the Lotus Carlton was just a Opel Omega and it was just given to Lotus to be upgraded and hence was born the Lotus Carlton. 
you know it came in only one color it was a shade of green called imperial green i know i, I think it's called imperial green it had a you know beautiful beautiful six cylinder straight six 3.6 liter built of course and tuned by lotus they had two turbochargers a water pump you know all of the things you'd expect in a sleeper car it was a four-door saloon but it made around 382 ps of power which roughly translates to about 377 horsepower and a six-speed manual gearbox i think this car i think if i remember correctly it was you know uncatchable by the british police they've They've, I think, mentioned it somewhere. The thing is bloody uncatchable. You know, it was not just the engine. Everything, the chassis, the brakes, the steering were reworked on by Lotus. And hence, it was a surprisingly pretty agile car for being a saloon. And of course, we come back to that straight six engine. Its code name is C36GET. And, you know, it was one of the most best accelerating engines of that time in any saloon car. It had, you know, longer gears, like a taller gearing ratios, and it can, like, achieve 89 kilometers or 55 miles per hour in the first gear itself. That's a significant amount of power to put in a saloon car. Of course, the production was not long. Only 950 cars were built. And, uh, you know, I think it was, I think it ended, it started in 1990, and it ended in 1991. It was only one year, I think, they even made that car. Okay, that's the, you know, underappreciated saloon car I want to talk about. Next, we're going to talk about one of the best looking BMWs or probably the best looking car I've ever seen in my life. Of course, I'm talking about the BMW 6 Series, the E24, the 635 CSI. It's one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen, the most beautiful two-door car. It was made from 76 to 89. This is really a beautiful looking Grand Tourer. Of course, it had a six cylinder engine in it. It was a 3.5 straight six, I believe. And of course, the C6, uh, 635 CSI came with, you know, a single overhead i6 and another improved version of the single overhead. The first one was the M30B34 and then the M30B35. The power figures are more or less similar, although the later versions did make you know, significantly lesser power. I think the most power was made by the uh, M30B35. And of course, oh my god, what a beautiful looking car. This car looks particularly beautiful in black with those, you know, the stock wheels. They look really good on the car. I think this uh, is, is what I classify as an underappreciated gem of the classic cars. Now, for the JDM fanboys let's dive into something you know that's more jdm i personally if you ask me i'm not a big fan of let's say jdm although i have my respect but i'm more of a euro guy i'm more of a german guy but if i had to choose a you know a, a japanese car it would be one of these two i have actually have two cars here lined up and they're both japanese and they're my favorite i must say the first one is obviously the Mark III Supra. Stay with me here. The Mark III Supra, not the Mark IV. Nothing against the Mark IV. It's just not an underappreciated gem. That is all. Now, we talk about the Mark III Supra. Of course, it had all the, you know, gizmos you would expect from a car coming from that 
day and age it is of course a really beautiful car and of course it had the pop-up headlights everything this is code name the a70 and of course it had that beautiful 1jz engine a little difference between the 1jz and 2jz I actually prefer the 1jz over the 2jz uh, yeah, the 1JZ GTE was a twin-turbo straight-six. It was a 2500cc engine. Of course, it came with a manual transmission. And it's one of the most sleek-looking cars of its time. Uh, some might say that it looks remarkably similar to the FC RX-7. I must say I agree, but I would choose this car any day over the Mark FC uh, RX-7 just because of its reliability. I mean, you don't really want to be fixing an FC RX-7, do you? Especially with that rotary, so many people LS swap it, although I do not condone it, <laughs> but I don't appreciate it either. Okay, that's one of my favorite, uh, let's say, JDM cars. Now let's dive into the second. I w Actually, I wouldn't say this car is underappreciated. It just doesn't get the love the other. Okay, let me just say, it's the Nissan GTR. It's a Nissan GTR. This particular GTR does not get the love that all the other GTRs do. Of course, I'm talking about the R33 GTR. You know, it's one of uh, the best looking GTRs, if I say so myself. If you ask me, number one will be R32, then comes the R33, then the 34, then the Hakosuka, and then 35. But yeah, uh, within the R33 GTR, I want to dive into one specific variant which is the nismo 400r now this car was a game changer back then this was one of the fastest all-wheel drive accelerating cars you know but like they only planned to make 100 units of it but only 44 units were made now it's one of the most beautiful looking cars of course you get that nismo alloys and you know the paintwork everything is so beautiful on this car and the engine the engine was, of course, the RBX GT2, which was the RB26, but it was reworked on. You know, everything, the stroke crankshaft, the forged pistons, upgraded rods, you know, ports, camshafts, everything was upgraded by Nismo. It, of course, had a bigger Nismo brake pads, everything. Everything was up. It had close to 400 horsepower. That's hence the name 400R. But yeah, this, of course, has to go down in the books as one of the best GTRs and I, I you know I hear a lot of people saying this one car doesn't live up to the GTR name but if you ask me it's all it's it's, it's all right this car was actually pretty good car I must say okay now we come to the final car in this list we're again going back to Europe for this one and an Opel who would have thought an Opel would be here of course talking about the Opel Monza GSE specifically the GSE because if you just take the Opel Monza it's just a regular traffic car of course you get it in the 2 liter the 2.5 liter the 2.8 liter but the 3 liter S the 3 liter E and the 3 liter E GSE is where the bomb was because these cars you know these cars actually could have been a real competition for the BMWs and the Mercedes of that day but the real reason it wasn't is due to the price, I guess. But the GSE, which is one of the last incarnations of the Monza, is actually, you know, it was it came out in the mid-1980s. It was an A2 car, but it had, like, all the gizmos, like a Recaro Sports Seat, LCD Instrument Cluster. 
It had firmer suspension than the regular Monza, a 5-speed manual and an all-back interior. It also had a 40% limited slip differential. Imagine getting a limited slip differential back in the 80s in your 3-liter uh, Monza. Yeah, it's something of a status symbol if I say so myself. You know, there are only 43,000 Monzas altogether built, although you know the number of GACs specifically are unknown. But yeah, if you ask me, it's one of the best Opels ever built. And yeah, these were my list of eight, you know, most underappreciated gems of the car uh, industry. But I do have an Easter egg in the end for you guys. This car is rather new than all the other cars that I've mentioned, but is one of the best. I have actually two cars for you guys. These two are Easter eggs. And I bet one of these cars you've never heard of that will keep in the last but first we're going to dive into my underappreciated wagon of course it's not the rs6 because that's not underappreciated it's not the m3 touring that's not underappreciated either it is of course the 2018 volvo v60 polestar all-wheel drive quite the name quite the long name but this car if you ask me is one of the best wagons in the market right now i specifically say the 2018 because that two liter flat four is something else it's something out of this world the tuning amount of the capability on these specific polestar wagons are through the world of course you can tune the sedans as well but i'm more of a wagon guy when you're given an option but yeah this 2018 volvo v star v60 polestar all-wheel drive was something else it had all-wheel drive. It had 362 horsepower from the four-cylinder, 347 pound-feet of torque. That's a lot for a wagon. Of course, the RS6 and M3 make more. But considering the budget, for that budget, Volvo has given you everything you could afford. Of course, it comes with 20-inch wheels, Pirelli tires, everything. The whole kit. It's fully kitted out. And, you know, just you can just take it off the showroom floor and you can, I don't know, drive it wherever you want. You can drive it in the snow, you can drive it in the, you know, the dry. It was meant for everything. They had everything put together, everything in mind when they designed this car. Now to the last car of this list. And I bet you guys wouldn't have guessed it. It's, of course, a supercar. And I must say, I came to know about this car when I was playing this little game called Test Drive Unlimited. It's a really great game. I played it in my PlayStation. Of course, it's the Ascari KZ1. I still know many of you guys haven't heard of it, but it is one of the best, you know, sports cars or it's borderline supercar for its price range. I'm not saying it is the best supercar, but for the price that they offered it, that's the most supercar you can get for that price. The Ascari KZ1, you know, came out in 2005 Autosport International. It had a price tag of 235,000 pounds. Of course, they were all handcrafted. Took about 340 hours. And of course, Ascari has a big manufacturing facility. So that wasn't, space wasn't really an issue. Now, this car is not common supercar traffic either because only 50 of these were ever produced. I'm not saying it's something underappreciated so everyone can buy it. I'm saying it's underappreciated because not many people know it. You know, of course, it had... A beautiful 4.9 liter BMW derived S62 V8, which of course mid engined, 420 horsepower, 550 newton meters. And most importantly, it was a six speed manual. 
that's right a supercar which is mid-engine rear-wheel drive and manual sounds like a sounds and goes like a dream if you ask me and this car also has you know quite the motorsport prowess to itself because they did make you know a sports car for the gt3 european championship it's called the kz1r of course it's not road legal and you can buy it but you can't drive it on the road everything was you know perfect in this car it's like everything it was the carbon fiber chassis tubular steel frame everything you know i think even top gear uh, reviewed it uh the good top gear and it was the fifth fastest car i think recorded there but yeah it's one of the most beautiful looking cars if you look at it from the front rear uh, not so much but yeah it's definitely a really good car that gets slept on a lot so yeah these were my list of eight cars that are rather underappreciated and deserve a lot of love just as its counterparts if you did enjoy my podcast please you know drop in again when i upload a next one but yeah that's aditya for now you know logging out have fun